the 50th chapter of the book of Isaiah. And I want to begin reading at verse 4. The Lord God has given me the tongue of disciples, that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. He wakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not disobedient, nor did I turn back. I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who pluck out the beard. I did not cover my face from humiliation and spitting, for the Lord God helps me. Therefore I am not disgraced, therefore I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up to each other. Who has a case against me? Let him draw near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who is he who condemns me? Behold, they will all wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them. Who is among you that fears the Lord, that obeys the voice of his servant, that walks in darkness and has no light? Just underline that because that's really the text. Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Behold, all you who kindle a fire, who encircle yourselves with firebrands, walk in the light of your fire. And among the brands you have set ablaze, this you will have from my hand. You will lie down in sorrow or in torment. I remember a conversation that I had with a very, very close personal friend, a minister, when I first started out to be a preacher. In fact, he was kind of my father in the ministry. He didn't lead me to the Lord, but he was so instrumental in where I am today, as a matter of fact. His wife had polio at the time he was visiting with me, and he, he told me about a, an experience through which he was passing in his life. And he said, I, the best way for me to describe this experience, Gerald, is to say that, that there is a darkness in my, a night in my soul. He said, I, I, I feel like that there is just a blackness has come over my life and darkness has come. And he said, I um, have no feeling spiritually and I have no victory in my prayer life and no power in my witness and no joy. He said, the best way I can describe where I am now is that there is a dark night in my soul. I didn't know how to relate to that then. This is a young minister starting out, but I do now. And I suppose that everybody present in this place this morning has gone through those experiences that we might define as a time of spiritual darkness, a dark night in the soul. And we don't know how to cope with that. I mean, what do you do when um, the light goes out? It's hard enough to follow God and to live for Him when there's sufficient light. What, what do you do when darkness comes and there is no spiritual feeling, and there is no victory in prayer, and there is no power? 
Well, that's what Isaiah 50 is about. It tells us what to do when the lights go out. As a matter of fact, let me say this parenthetically. Probably the best way a person can know if you really know the Lord is how you act in the dark. That's not only true with spiritual darkness, it's true with physical darkness. The best way you can tell when a person knows the Lord is to watch him see how he acts in the dark. What to do when the lights go out. Now I think I need this morning, first of all, to give a definition of darkness. That's what you find in this passage. The word just stands out. And I'm going to give you a profound definition of darkness. Get ready for this. You may not be able to understand this, but darkness is the absence of light. Now, that's pretty profound. That's true. And you, some of you chuckled at that, but I'm going to show you what I mean in just a moment. The picture of this text is a man on a journey, and all of a sudden the lights go out. And he's walking in this huge blackness, and there is not a glimmer of light. Light, where there is light, there is knowledge. And it's easy to tell where you're going and where you are. There's perception and vision and understanding and security. Where there's light, you can see what obstacles are on the path. And you can see if that person who walks with you there is friend or foe. But when darkness comes, it's exactly the opposite. There is no knowledge. There is no security. Only confusion. And you don't know where you are, where you're going and you can't see the obstacles that trip you up, and you don't know friend from foe. So what happens when there is no spiritual feeling, when there is no word from God, when there is no revelation? What do you do when the lights go out? Well, you keep walking. You just keep on walking. Now, some of you may have had this experience from time to time. You're traveling late at night, and something happens to the electrical system on your automobile, and all of a sudden you're in the dark. The best thing you can do is to pull over and wait for the light. In the physical world, that's the best thing you can do. In the spiritual world, it's the worst thing you can do. And so the prophet says, I didn't turn back. I didn't quit. When the lights went out, I just kept on. For the characteristic of the man of God is that he endures, that he continues, that he doesn't quit, that he doesn't turn back. As a matter of fact, that's the chief characteristic of the Christian life. And when the writer of the Bible says, He that is faithful to the end will receive a crown of life, he doesn't mean that if you're not faithful to the end, you lose your salvation. He means that if you're not faithful, you never had any to begin with. For the chief characteristic of, of the Christian life, the Christian gospel, of the Christian message is that it endures, it continues. So the man of God keeps on praying when it seems like it doesn't do any good to pray. He keeps on praying when there are no answers to his prayers, no visible evidence that anything changes. He keeps on praying when God seems to be deaf and heaven seems to be brass. He keeps on keeping on. And what happens to you when this book becomes a dead book? It's happened to all of us so that we pick it up and there's no word for us there. It's just print and page. What happens when this book no longer speaks? Do you close the book and quit reading it? No, you keep on reading it just as you did before. And you keep on giving when it doesn't turn out like you thought the preacher meant when he said, if you will tithe, God will bless you. And you had it in your mind that when you gave, God would return a hundred times what you gave, make you rich if you tithe. And you keep on giving. 
And when your witness at best is rejected and at worst you receive the persecution and the abuse of those to whom you witness, what do you do about that? Well, you keep on doing what you did before the lights went out. A lady came to me one time and asked me if I would pray with her for her husband. He wasn't a Christian. She wanted me to join with her in prayer for him. And she said, I've made a decision. He doesn't, he's not a Christian, but I've made a decision. I'm going to live for God whether he does or not. I'm going to serve the Lord whether he does or not. And I want you to help me to understand how I can witness to him and how I can lead him to faith in Christ. And I shared with her out of God's word the best I could. About six months later, she came back and said, didn't do any good. She says, matter of fact, it's made it worse. And every time he sees me studying my Bible, it just infuriates him. And every time I try to live for God in His presence and share my love with Him in the Christian way, it just turns Him further away from me and makes His heart that, heart that much harder. How, what am I supposed to do now? And I said, well, you just keep on doing what you did before the lights went out. You keep on walking. What do you do when the lights go out? You don't try to light your own fire. That's the first response when we don't have knowledge when we don't have revelation, we want to plunge on with our own ability to understand, with our own ingenuity and our own reason and rationale. And we want to take matters in our own hands. We want to light our own fire. And we want to find something that will substitute for the knowledge and the Word of God. Some kind of evidence, even if it's not God's Word, we'll light our own fire, build our own light. That's what he means in verse 11. He said, Behold, if you try to walk by the light of your own fire, I promise you this, you'll lie down in sorrow. What he means is this, that if you take matters in your own hands when you have no understanding, you take matters in your own hands and you plunge on without any leadership from God, the bottom line, end result of, of that is always sorrow. The biggest mistake any of us ever make is to try to light our own fire. That's true for several obvious reasons. I want to suggest two of them, two most obvious. One is because darkness is ordained of God. Now John says way back in his prologue as he spoke of Jesus, he said, In Him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shined in the darkness and the darkness, King James has it, comprehended it. The best word is, overpowers it not. When light shines, the darkness never overpowers it. The, the darkness doesn't chase the light away. As long as you have a light, the darkness never overpowers it. I don't care if you have a 10-watt bulb or a candle. As long as there is light there, the darkness cannot overcome it. The darkness comes only when the light is removed. So you go into your bedroom tonight, you turn, off the, turn on the light and you go over and you stretch out the drapes and you raise the shades and you say to the darkness, come on in. You're welcome, come on in. But the darkness won't come in that room as long as the light is there because the light overpowers the darkness and only will darkness come when the light is removed. It's the night that follows the day. And when the dawn comes, the darkness flees. 
Therefore, if there is darkness... Now, you understand what I'm talking about when I use this term darkness. Let me touch base with you there. I'm not talking about physical darkness. I'm not talking about physical blindness. I'm talking about knowledge and understanding and security. I'm talking about knowing where you are, where you're going, perception, vision. I'm talking about spiritual discernment. If there is darkness in your life, it's because God has removed the light. He's ordained it. He's ordered it for a purpose, for a reason, for a plan. And if you try to generate or create your own light, you're going to frustrate the plan of God for you. Listen to what Genesis 1 says. It says that evening and morning was the first day. You know what he's saying? He's saying that night is as much a part of the day as the light is. And this darkness that may be enveloping your life today or has or will is ordered of God. Now you say, what on earth, what purpose on earth could God have to bring darkness into my life? Well, there are two reasons why I might do that. First is because there are some things that you can only see in the dark. You go outside this church building this morning, you look into the heavens, see if you can see any stars. See any stars up there? You can't see them, but they're there. You think every morning God gathers up His stars, puts them in a basket, and puts them in a safe deposit box? No, they're, just, they're there. You just can't see them in the light. You go out in the light and the brilliance of this noonday, you might see a little image of the moon that's there in the heavens, but you can't see it exactly like it is. It's dimmed. Because there are some things that you just can't see except in the dark. Listen to me carefully. There are some things that you'll never see about God except in the dark. When I stood in this pulpit to preach this morning in the early service, I looked out into the faces of people who were sitting there in rapt attention, literally, People that I know who at this point in time in their life are going through a dark night. And when I came to this point, you could just see the light come on in their minds. They are saying to themselves, I know what he's talking about because I have seen things in this darkness I had not seen before. And God ordains the darkness because... He has something He wants to tell us. I heard somebody say, I'm not sure if it's exactly true or not, I think it is, that, that when you lose the ability of one sense, it accentuates the power of the others. In other words, if you lose the ability to see, it makes you hear better. I've heard that. That when a person loses his eyesight, he is able to hear things that you and I never hear. Now I want you to understand the import of Isaiah 50. What he's driving at in Isaiah 50 is he's not talking here. A, the, the, the focus of Isaiah 50 is not on the darkness. That's what he's talking about in the last part of it. He's not a prophet complaining about the fact that he has been plunged into the dark night of his soul. That's incidental to this chapter. What he's talking about is found in verse 4. He's saying, God has given me the ear of a, of a disciple and he has been able to communicate with, to my ear that which others need to hear from me for help. 
In other words, the prophet is saying, God has given me a sensitive ear to him. And then he describes how he does it. How does God give this man the ability to hear from God that's special? Takes away his sight. Sometimes God takes away the light so that we'll hone in and fine-tune on what he has to say. I read recently of a man who was walking out in a, in a field, a little meadow with a blind friend. The friend had him by the arm and they were making a little trip across this meadow and the man said, the blind man said, did you see that grasshopper? The guy said, what grasshopper? He said, the one that jumped up right there. The guy said, I, I didn't see a grasshopper. He said, how'd you, how'd you know there was a grasshopper? He said, well, I heard it. And the man mentioned the fact that, well, I guess Mr. Brown's old cow is out. And the guy looked around, and there was an old cow there. He never noticed this. And he said, well, how'd you know there's an old cow? He said, well, I heard her munching the grass. And as they walked along, they came to the shadow, to the shade of a big tree. And the man said, I just love to come to this tree and feel the cool breeze. He said, well, how did you know there was a tree here? He said, well, I could hear it singing in the branches, the wind singing in the branches, and I could... I could feel the cool of the shade. And the man said, My friend saw more without eyes than I saw with two good ones. Sometimes God ordains the darkness so that you and I can hear what He says. It's the most tragic thing that you and I try to create our light because the darkness is ordained of God. There's a second reason. It's because man-made light is very deceptive and dangerous. Now our, little, our deal over at our house is that Mar Margaret washes the socks and puts them in the dryer and the dryer dries the socks and, and then... We put them in this little basket that goes to my room. It's my job to come and get the socks and match them up and put them in my sock drawer. I mean, I can't understand why she won't do it all, but, but, uh, so, but, uh, but I, I always do it the hard way. I never match them up. I, I just get them all in a big pile and go over and open the drawer and just dump them in there, you know. And when I need one, I'll dig it out, and then I'll spend 15 minutes trying to match it. You know how that goes. The other morning I had the lights on in my bedroom and I uh, got out two, two navy blue socks and put them on and went out. When I got out in the, about the middle of the morning, I looked down and I noticed that I had one black sock and one navy blue sock. And uh, kind of embarrassing. <laughs> so, before I could, so you know, before I could get home, I was just kind of going, you know, how you do, just kind of not, not letting my pants leg came. When I got home, I found I had another pair just like them in the drawer. <laughs> now, when, when, when I opened that drawer and I reached in there, in that, that light, there's plenty of light, like this light, but, but you know, under, under man-made light, they both look like navy blue socks. One day God came to Abraham and he said to Abraham, Abraham was 75 years old, and he said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of a prosperous nation. Not only are there people going to be numerous that come out of your loins, but they're going to be glorious. That was when he was 75 years old. When he got 90-ish, Abraham began to think, well, how's God going to do what he promised? And God had brought darkness 
with regard to the fulfillment of that promise. And so Abraham thought, now how's this going to happen? And, and, and he thought, well, I'll just create a little light of my own on this matter. And so he and Sarah got together, and, and Sarah said, well, I've got a handmaid. Her name is Hagar. Why don't you go with her and raise a son of her? And so they created some man-made light, and we're still suffering from it. As the Muslim turns against the Israeli. And one day Moses saw his people abused and misused, and he knew this wasn't God's plan for his people, but there was darkness concerning how God was going to deal with this issue. And so Moses decided, I'll create some light of my own. And so he took matters in his own hands and set the work of God back 40 years. And one night they came into the garden to arrest Jesus, and Simon Peter, in the dark night of that night, whipped out his sword and cut off the ear of the, of, the, of the guard of the high priest and received the rebuke of Jesus. Listen to me. If you haven't heard anything to this point, listen to this. Faith and reason are like the two compartments of an hourglass. For one to be full, the other has to be empty. Faith and reason are like the two compartments of an hourglass. For one to be full, the other has to be empty. In order to be full of faith, we have to jettison our reason. We have to, we have to lay aside the rationale and trust in order for that faith to be full. And that's why God ordains the dark. That leads me to the last point. What do you do when the light goes out? You lean on Jesus. In verse 10, there's a Hebrew word that says, trust. If you've got a King James, that word is stay. It has nothing to do with dwelling. It means to lean upon for support. I love the word. It means to lean upon for support. When the lights go out and you have no way of knowing what to do next and there is no revelation and there is not a glimmer of light, what do you do? Well, you lean on the Lord. It's the same Hebrew word that's found in the blessed 23rd Psalm. Thy rod and thy staff, they, here it is, comfort me. It means I lean for my security upon his rod and staff. They help me. And that word occurs three times in the book of Isaiah chapter 50. He helps, I lean upon him, I lean upon him. Now some who ridicule the Christian religion talk about our religion as a crutch. It's a crutch for the weakling. It's a crutch for the inadequate. I don't know whether that's a good word to describe it or not, but I will admit this. I lean on him. I lean on him. Crutch or not, whatever the word is, I found him to be that which holds me up in the dark. Now I think that sometimes we all learn new things. I hope we do. I'm, I, I, in my, my walk through this life, I, I'm, I'm beginning to learn 
that the whole heart and soul of the Bible is that God wants us just to trust Him. Now you can pick up this Bible and you can find answers to things. It'll tell you how to be a good husband or a good wife. It'll tell you how to be a good parent. It'll tell you how to be a good neighbor. It'll even tell you how to dress and how to, how to, how to act and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what the Bible's main message is. The main message of the Bible is how to lean on the Lord. And sometimes I feel like that I'm kind of repetitious when I preach, and then I realize it's really the Scripture that's repetitious, that what He's trying to tell us is this, that all He wants from us is our trust. And I want you to hear this. It's better to be in the dark with Jesus than to be in heaven without Him. The guy stopped me in Sunday, the guy asked me in Sunday school this morning, he said, he was in the early service, he said, I want to ask you something you said this morning, I don't understand, how could you be in heaven? How could there be a heaven without Jesus? I said, well, that, that's, that's what I meant. You missed the point. The point is that it doesn't matter where you are as long as Jesus is there. It'd be better to be in the dark with Jesus than to be in the best place that man can imagine without Him. For Jesus, hear me now, Jesus is better than the light. When the light grows dim, still cling to Jesus, sink or swim. Still before the throne, bow the knee. And Israel's God thy strength shall be. I'm sad, brokenhearted. I have found kneeling at His throne God's peace so serene. For all that He asks is a childlike trust and a heart that's learning to lean. Learning to lean, learning to lean. I'm learning to lean on Jesus finding more power than I'd ever dreamed, learning to lean on Jesus. What a fellowship. What a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness. What a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What have I to dread? What have I to fear, leaning on the everlasting arms? I have blessed peace with my Lord so near, leaning on the everlasting arms. We tried it in the early service. A cappella, the chorus to that, you'll do it. Leaning, leaning, safe and secure from Church of Christ, do what they do. That's what do you do? What do you do when the lights go out? 
you lean on the everlasting one. Let's pray together. Father, help us to know and to believe, to be confident that Jesus is better than the light. Help us to lean on Him. For the night comes, comes. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. I wonder if there's anybody here this morning who would like to place their faith in Jesus. Better not trust baptism or church membership. Better just lean on Him. And saving faith is, is just trusting Jesus and Jesus only for your salvation. He takes you to heaven. He forgives your sin. I wonder if there's someone here who would like to come and place their life in our church. I was out visiting Friday and visited with Mike Reynolds. Mike's going through a terrible, terrible time of darkness. So much pain. And Mike said, I, I, we, we, we're, we never have moved our membership back. And he said, do I have to be able to be there to come forward before I can return my membership to First Baptist? I said, no, I'll just tell the folks. So Mike and Pat coming this morning on promise of letter from First Baptist Church in Atoka. There may be some of you who need to do that today. There might be some who have just come to say, you know, I've just been walking in, the, in my own light. I've been lying down in sorrow. And I want to come today to, to, to simply trust Jesus. I know the pressures, young people are great. Those guys and those gals, the peer pressure is so great. I'll tell you somebody to lean on in those times of darkness. It's the Lord. Some of you have gotten away from Him. You just need to come back, renew your commitment to Christ. While we stand, stand to sing and our choir leads us in a song, we might even let them sing, lean on me after a while again. That, that's the word. Come and place your faith in Jesus Christ while we stand to sing.